Okay, you can start now. So we're gonna we're gonna start with uh, we're gonna start with a prayer, okay? Um, dear Lord, I thank you for this day and I thank you for this morning, Lord. Um, God, thank you for the folks that you brought here today, and um, we just, just want to pray for Luke and Amy as they start their um, sabbatical, Lord. We pray that this would be a time of um, rest and relaxation for them, Lord, and also just kind of a refreshing of their of their minds too, Lord. Um, I, we just pray that you would give them good thoughts and wisdom on this trip, Lord, but that they would enjoy each other's company and just get. Lord, I pray for this morning, um, just as people here uh, share their stories, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, bless us through their experiences in their life, Lord, and um, I just pray that uh, they would have a little something here that each of us could take home, and uh, I ask this in here and pray, amen. Okay, so, um, as most of you know, Luke, our pastor, is on sabbatical for the next seven weeks, and so we have a mix of uh, different messages and things that are going to be coming over the next seven weeks. And this week is a panel discussion, and we have three people here from the panel. So, um, were there a couple of slides that we're going to do first? Yeah, let's do this okay. one. So this is just uh, kind of an idea about our church and what to expect. So 10 to 10.30, we always have some folks that are here setting up and are uh, kind of hanging out, and we have coffee and conversation during that time. Um, then typically at about 10.30 or 10.35, sometimes 10.40, <laughs> um, we go into like a, a 20 minute teaching and that's what this will be but this, this week is going to be a panel um, and then after that we follow up with about a 20 minute discussion and I think this week what that will look like is um, we're going to have about a 20 minute time here with these guys where I'll, I'll ask them some questions that Luke had supplied me and then the last 20 minutes will the 20 minute discussion um, will be if you guys have any questions for them so as we're doing this if you have questions if you could just hold them until the end, and then we'll have a time for you to ask them. Um, and then after that, we do have worship today, which is good, and um, we have communion elements at the back, and so you're welcome to take that anytime during the worship time, and then we'll do announcements and follow-up, and final, we'll have, um, we can just get together in groups of about eight for prayer circles, where you can share about what's going on in your life. So, with that, do we have any other slides? Okay, so, this week we have Mia Dusik, who's Luke's daughter. Um, Akua <laughs> Ellis, who's not Luke's daughter. <laughs> we have uh, <laughs> we have Keenan. Um, oh, I've never actually seen your last name, Keenan. Hinkleman. Hinkleman. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's no one that's Keenan. So. <laughs> Keenan. Okay. Yeah. So these guys have been great. They volunteered to just share a little bit about themselves. So um, Luke, like I said, supplied me with some questions. So I'm just going to go through and ask these questions, and then feel free to, guys. If, um, anything else comes to your mind, you're welcome to really speak about whatever you'd like to. Um, but this is just a chance for us to get to know these guys a little bit better and to hear about what God's done in their life. So, we'll just start with the basics. Well, we already just did um, name, but do you want to then go through and share married, dating, or kids? Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Keenan, last name Hinkleman. Uh, <laughs> 
brings me to I am married to Michelle, who's not here today because our son Teddy is sick. <coughs> but um, yeah, we've been married for seven years, and uh, we live in Hopkins. We used to live in downtown Minneapolis, but I don't know what else I'm supposed to share. Well, it's a, it's a word you live. My warm. favorite you got that. color. Um, I don't have a favorite color because it depends on the day, but I like all the bruise colors, like purple, blue, green. I don't know. I don't know, like, that's morbid. Okay, I'm Keenan, that's all. Wait, wait, no, 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 I'm asking you a question about yourself. So where do you work? You want to share a little bit? Oh, yeah, I, I manage uh, a pet hospital um, in Bloomington. I've been doing that for about a year. Before that, I was in coffee. Um, I don't... I don't see, I don't necessarily see it as a permanent position. Um, I'll probably be there for another, I'm guessing I'll probably stick around for maybe two or three years. Um, what'd you say? Yeah, oh, so anyone who works at Banfield don't know, like, just don't listen to this, but, um, so I guess what I really am passionate about, or what I, how I wound up at Banfield is that I'm actually interested in, um, like, maybe doing hospice work or something like that. Um, and I applied to a bunch of places, but then I was like, I'm too, like, young to be a hospice person. Mm -hmm. um, like, I don't feel like I have enough life experience, but, um, but that's something that I'm interested in doing, maybe in the future. Okay, so your passions is one of the things you can yeah. share. I really like to read. Um, I try <coughs> to do writing, but I don't do it very often. Uh, I've, been working on, kind of kind of writing. I've been working on a novel for about five years. And I haven't gotten very far. I mean, I wrote it, and then I rewrote it, and I rewrote it. But I, so that's something that I sometimes do in my spare time, but I find less spare time. What kind of novel? A historical fiction. Okay. Yeah. It's about an artist, Gustav Dory. It's pretty cool. Look him up. He was, he was a real person. Anyways, yeah. I can tell you, I can tell you about, I mean, I've researched him for five years, so if you ever want to know about Gustav Dory, I'll, I'll tell you all about him. He's a fascinating guy. Uh, what's something that um, we wouldn't know about you? <coughs> didn't know about me. That's hard. Uh, I like embarrassing moments. I feel like most people know my embarrassing moments. Actually, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not too shy about my embarrassing moments. Um, Three and a half, a three-nager, 
is uh, <laughs> firmly in three danger phase. Asa, you may have met him, he's a superhero next door. Um, and uh, we have been married for six, uh, almost six years. Um, and we live in St. Paul, in, uh, in Como. And passions, was that the next For work, so where do you? So um, in my day job, I manage advocacy efforts for the Catholic Charities of the Twin Cities. Um, so we do community engagement and education work as well as um, more traditional lobbying at uh, the state level, um, starting to get more into city government. Um, and my background before coming to Catholic Charities was lobbying for Target in the south, southeast part of the country, so I'm happy to be off the road. Um, yeah, my passions are um, music. I love music. Um, my family, obviously, um, and uh, empowerment. I mean, this it's like a it sounds kind of hokey or whatever, but I um, part of why I started to study policy was because I saw a lot of laws that were being created that didn't reflect the lived experiences of the folks who were on the receiving end of those policies. And so I'm really passionate about um, helping folks understand how their voice can um, be reflected. Um, in those laws. So um, I could talk for days about that. Um, <laughs> uh, what was, oh, and something people may not know about me is that I really enjoy watching boxing. Yeah. I do, and, but not ultimate fighting. They're very different. I really dislike ultimate fighting. Jeremiah, you gotta work on that, buddy. You can get I, I love the physicality of boxing. Um, you said music, what, what kind of music? Um, all kinds. So I grew up playing uh, piano for a number of years. I've now not played longer than I've played. Um, but um, so I have like a, a story about that. Um, so when I first started taking lessons, it was because a Lutheran mission. So I grew up in a, a rougher neighborhood. A Lutheran mission was established across the street, and they had a piano. And I asked uh, the pastor, uh, Pastor Belial, who was going to play it. And he said, we don't have anyone to play. Um, and I said, well, if you teach me to play it, I will play every Sunday. Um, and he, and I plugged, the, like, I would, like, wait in the bushes for him to pull up. <laughs> like, Pastor Bilal, did you find somebody to teach me yet? <laughs> he was like, oh, come on. Um, so he finally found a, a high school um, senior to teach me. Um, and I learned how to play Rise and Shine and Give God the Glory. And I played it every single Sunday before I went to my own Sunday school. Um, and then my mother was like, she's really serious, and bought a piano, and that's, hmm. that's how I started playing. You said you grew up in a rougher neighborhood. Where, where was that at? So it's in Dam I'm from Davenport, Iowa. Um, the neighborhood would be very similar to like a frog hill. Um, I spent summers up here in near north uh, with my dad, and I remember calling my mom and saying, Mom, Daddy lives in a really nice neighborhood. Um, you know, and then only to come back as an adult and, ha and have people say the things they say about North Minneapolis. But to me, like, it was wonderful. A wonderful place to spend my summers, especially compared to where I was mm -hmm. from. So, you think you think Asa is gonna get into music? You think Asa loves music. Uh, we use it to calm him. We have always used it to calm him. It's a very effective tool. Um, uh, we use dancing to distract him. Um, what? You what? Dancing. <laughs> oh yeah. To distract him. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. So I, I mean, so I say that to say that I love classical music because that's how I was trained. Um, I love gospel.
I am Mia Dusik, daughter of Luke Dusik, <laughs> the Luke Dusik. Um, what were my questions? So, you know, married, dating, oh, kids, I'm, I'm dating that guy right there. His name's Henry for probably like four months. Yeah. Um, I've lived in North Minneapolis since I was like two years old. Before that, just like Brooklyn Center for like a short period. Um, <laughs> um, passions. Yeah. Next one. I do like reading, like Keaton, a lot. I'm trying to get into it more because I'm really bad at like starting a book then starting another book, and it's just like a whole big palooza of books. <laughs> Um, I do like playing piano too. I played when I was like really little and then I just started to like memorize music because I couldn't like read sheet music anymore. So that was kind of sad. But what about work? I work at Caribou. I've worked there for like five months now. I'll probably stay there for one more year. <laughs> Probably nobody is listening. If they are, I really don't care. <laughs> which, which, which caribou? Uh, it's one in Brooklyn Center. It's okay. close by. I mean, just in case anybody wants LA to Fitness. Visit. Please don't Brooklyn visit Center me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I think so. It's like off 101. Yeah. sewing a lot really? and I knit. I'm very like an old woman. <laughs> like I find myself doing things that like older women like do with their time but like I'm doing it when I'm 18 and like since I was 10 so I'm just like weird like that. Okay. And I dance a lot. I'm like a huge <laughs> dancer. Like by so. yourself dancing or like <laughs> Well I used to be in dance class oh, okay. but like now it's like by myself. <laughs> Catch me like spinning around. It's like that's why. Okay. All right. So now let's. So you got to know these guys a little bit about who they are and where they've come from. Um. So now we'll get into just sharing a little bit about your religious background or kind of how you arrived at faith. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about your religious upbringing, if any? Um. And then a, a few questions. If you don't remember, I'll prompt you. But are there any experiences that have strengthened your faith? Um, what questions or doubts have you had about faith? And describe how you've grown or changed your views on faith. So, so if, you, if you wanted to start sharing, and I can, I'll prompt you guys about kind of what the questions are. Um, so I was raised in uh, kind of the Southern Baptist tradition, very charismatic, um, Holy Ghost, uh, organ music, <coughs> like down home kind of. In Davenport? Hooping and hollering, yeah, in, in Davenport. Um, so, so that was how I was raised, um, you know, sang in the choir from kindergarten up till I got a job. Um, and there was a period of time after my parents divorced where I was kind of like dropped off for church. The church became like daycare on Sundays uh, for my mom. Um, and then I started working and didn't go as much. Um, and then went off to college and really was not attending. Um, and then had a, a really interesting experience um, with the statistics class. Um, I had taken it in the summer, 
failed it, um, had to take it again, um, and was starting to fail again. Um, and I wanted to, to pledge a sorority and I needed to have a certain GPA, so I had to get it up. Um, I also just wanted to do well, but that was a strong motivator. Um, but um, I remember uh, getting a tutor, like I got my first test and it was like a D or something, and I walked straight from class to the student support center um, and said, I need a tutor. And my tutor spent all of her time telling me what my teacher was doing wrong, because she had had him before and had all these issues with him. And so I didn't find it particularly helpful. She was kind of unteaching everything that I was learning. And I remember just being scared to death um, that I was just going to fail. And went to um, went to like the, the training or the prep session right before the final. And um, and I should say like this was about to be my third W. I think you had a three W max at the University of Iowa. What's W? Uh, withdrawal. So like you leave the class um, past time to like you should have already known that you weren't going to do well. Um, so they like you, you get three times to do that. Um, and and this was a, about to be my third W. And um, so I'm in the, the prep session, and the professor is asking questions, and this is before the final, and um, without even, like, I don't even remember, but this example is so um, so clear in my head, because I, I don't remember, like, knowing, like, there was no cognition. He would ask a question, and I knew the answer. And, like, every question he asked, without even thinking, I knew the answer. And... I remember like walking out thinking like, man, that was cool. Like, I mean, I guess I am learning um, and hearing a voice and it was like loud, like everything is gonna be okay. And like I and I'm getting choked up now thinking about it. Um, but like it scared me and, um, and like I wasn't sure what to think of it and I couldn't get to my car fast enough. And I got in my car and I just like lost it. Um, and I ended up getting like an A on the test and a B in the class, and it was fine. Um, but that was like the first time that I felt um, like the voice of, of God or in it, the way I hear it. Um, and there have been a number of instances over the years um, in really, really like hard times for me um, where that has happened um, that have further bolstered my faith and, and courage. Um, because then it's like knowing that you're you're not by yourself, like you're you're taking this journey, like with God, or that He's He's got your back. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like I've prayed for that sometimes in my life, and I've never really had those experiences. I think it's just interesting to hear how people experience things differently. You know what I mean? And like I have prayed for those experiences, and it just hasn't it just hasn't happened for me, but. I like to hear about it and other people just because I think I think it's important for everyone to know that like I think we experience God differently sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and I remember um, Liz saying that for her it was like a like an like an inkling like Liz like Chris and Liz. Yes, yeah, um, saying before and that was something that resonated with a friend of mine who was, was struggling with the with the same thing. But I would say um, I am often like I obsess about things often like just just stuck in my head and um, like there are rarely times where I have a, a, a moment of peace or, or I allow a moment of peace and those are the times when um, he comes to me. Hmm. You know, so I don't know if that is applicable to you as well, but. So that would be a time that maybe you were strengthened in your faith that you ever had questions or doubts or um, 
or can you describe how maybe your faith has grown and changed over the years? Sure. So um, I went through, uh, or I came out of a very tough experience um, while I was in grad school um, and found a church, the church that I was actually at when Jeremiah and I met. Um, and being that I wasn't, I hadn't been in church in a while or like in the more traditional kind of setting, I had a lot of questions, like academic kind of questions. Um, and they didn't seem as welcome. It was like, well, you need to just trust that this is what the Bible says and really like this is our interpretation of what the Bible says. And so I struggled with that at first. Um, I was able to find uh, like-minded people in that group um, that helped me kind of grow in my faith. So it wasn't faith in God, but it was like faith in the Bible or faith in the Bible as um, like the word of God that, that was where I was struggling. Um, which is part of why I really appreciate Bloom is because there is space to question and to, um, to learn from each other and to understand someone else's perspective on, you know, what is a finite set of scriptures. Um, but we are infinite in our understanding and interpretations and there's space for that here. And that's, I'd say this has been a good place for bringing all of that together. upbringing, if any, and then, you know, things that maybe have strengthened your faith, questions or doubts you've had, or, and maybe describe how your faith has grown? Yeah. I'll prompt you. Well, uh, first off, it's really hard to summarize all the faith talks that you've had your whole life in, like, a five-minute span, <laughs> there's a lot of ebbs and flows, but um, I come from a family of um, my, my grandparents uh, were alcoholics, and through an experience, they found that they found a church and stopped being alcoholics. And I think their new, their basically their new buzz was the was this church. And so I was raised in that church by my parents. And it was um, it's a Pentecostal church, so that's a lot of shabba dubba speaking in tongues kind of stuff. Um, so that's kind of like the that's like the that's the community I was raised in. Um, yeah, and it, uh, and my father, when I was like seven years old, was diagnosed with MS, um, and he had a very rapidly progressing form of it, um, so within two years he was wheelchair bound and couldn't feel the left side of his body, and at this Shabbatava church, he had, like he was miraculously healed, uh, so now my father is in perfect health, and I, and scientifically, I do not understand it. I don't know if it's real. I don't know anything. That's been a huge, like, question always in the back of my mind is, like, like, I believe he's healed, but then science tells me, no, there's not really any possibility of that, so I'm like, is he not? I have no idea, but he's in health now, so it's really weird. That's something that's always been a struggle in my mind, but him going through that experience and our family going through that experience is what led to him becoming a pastor in this Pentecostal movement. And so from the time I was 11 on, I've been a pastor's kid. Um, and they have been a pastor. They've been pastors since then. They were in um, always in little small towns. Uh, so I grew up in, spent uh, my middle school and high school years in a place called Redwood Falls, Minnesota. Uh, it's a town of 5,000. I really <coughs> hated it with my 
with everything in me. Um, and I just didn't, I, I was a really weird kid. Like, really weird. I pretended to be Beethoven when I was, like, I was just, I was an odd kid. And so I just had a really hard time fitting in anywhere. Like, I was the pastor's oh, kid, you, you and I was in. weird. So I just had a hard time fitting in anywhere. So then when, uh, when I was done with high school, uh, it was actually right after my graduation, my parents told me, well, God told us we need to move to Iowa, so we're moving to Iowa. So my family now lives in Iowa, and I never had to see Little Falls again, so I was like... I'm totally fine with that. Um, I burned a lot of bridges, and I kind of regret that. In I, Redwood. In Redwood, yeah. I was like, I don't need any of these friends. I'm going to make friends in college. And I haven't really had any contact with anyone from there for 10 years, and I feel a little bad about it. So that's kind of a, a guilt that weighs on me sometimes. Um, I went to – so being a pastor's kid, I got a discount to go to a uh, private Christian college that was affiliated with this movement in downtown Minneapolis. Um, and so that's where I did my college education, um, and I went for evangelism and church planning with like a biblical studies minor. So I had that, which I don't really use super frequently. I guess I'll be using it in the next couple of weeks. But um, the uh, and the hardest thing I think that I went through while I was in that community was um, growing up. We were taught that everyone has the Holy Spirit in them, and that you should be able to speak in tongues. Was a big, there was a big push for that. So like when I was a kid, I remember going to like, if you've ever seen the documentary Jesus Camp, it was pretty similar to that, the camps that I was going to as a child. And it was very, you know, you have to, we were instructed on how to receive the Holy Spirit. We had to like raise our hands a certain way, open our mouth a certain way, speak nonsense words until I felt like it was real, that kind of stuff. Um, and then as I was, becoming an adult and starting to develop my own thoughts and feelings, I was like, what if that's not real? Like, what if I was brainwashed into thinking that's how I had to do it? And so, luckily at the time, I was in a Bible college where everyone was doing that, and I took a class with um, this very kind Russian professor who called himself the Pentecostal Pirate because he had an eye patch, and... Um, I, uh, yeah. so in that class, this was like my, this was my second year in college, in that class, I asked a lot of questions, I was like, why do we believe this? Like, why do we believe that this is what you have to do? Um, like, why do we believe the speaking in tongues thing? Why do we believe this, that, or the other? And he was like, because the Bible says so. And I was like, you, I need a little more than that. So, and it was hard, because I think he just came from a line of thought where it was, if someone told you it, then it was true, and you just went with it. And so it didn't really help me. Um, and through it, I grew a lot of bitterness and resentment towards my, not to my upbringing, but just my faith background. I was like, I think I'm a Christian, but I'm told I'm a lesser Christian because I don't speak in tongues. Um, and so it was, a, it was like the mindset of unless you do what everyone else is doing, you, God will not use you or you're not as holy as other people or there must be something in your life or whatever it may be. And around that time, um, we started going to Bloom, and I kind of had a revolution of faith and realized, you know, there are some things that, you know, and I just started to realize, you know, that might be real for some people, and it doesn't have to be real for me, and it doesn't change my relationship with God. Um, so that's, I would say that's probably been a really huge part of it. Um, and then 
Another huge uh, development of my faith was when I went to, when I was at college, I went home my first summer, and going home was to, to Iowa, and where I didn't know a single soul except my family. So I pretty much spent four months by myself, and occasionally, I mean, obviously I was in my house with my family, but like, you feel, I felt pretty ostracized from society, and it was during that time that I processed the thought that maybe God, how God feels about me is not dependent on my own emotions, um, and started to process the thought that maybe his goodness is steadfast, and maybe it doesn't depend on how I'm feeling at the moment, um, and so that was a really big part of my faith development. So would you say that, I mean, I think I think what I heard you say is that yeah. the church you came from was more performance-based, like you kind of had I, I don't know if it's, it's really, it looks like performance from the outside. I think it's really hard to judge someone's sincerity. Uh, I think there are a lot of people who probably benefit from it. I think there's a lot of people who maybe find God through it. It wasn't, I think maybe because I was raised in it, it and then I saw it from the outside a little bit. I, it wasn't a place that I found God. Uh, now I can see, I can see God in it and I can see, I can see grace in it where I never saw it before. Um, so to say that people were performing feels insincere. Um, I think that I think that for some people it really is good for their faith, and I think that for some people that's how they identify with God, and it's just not it's not my way. That, 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 that episode where your father was healed was that a situation that strengthened your faith? Well, I was or, like, I don't know. I mean, I was like nine at the time, so oh, okay. I mean. The heavens opened up, and from there on, I was, it was smooth sailing, I guess. Um, I'm just kidding. Like, no, I think, um, I st it still affects my faith. Like, I was talking to my sister about it last week, and I'm like, so, I mean, we know, we all agree Dad's healed, because he's, there's nothing medically wrong with him, but, like, what if, like, it comes back? Or, like, what if it really wasn't, uh, like, I, I think about that all the time, and I'm like, does that, would that change how I feel about God? And when I was a kid, it absolutely would have. Um, but now I'm like, it wouldn't really, like, I would be thankful for the years where he was healthy, and it wouldn't change the nature of what Jesus did, so I don't, it affects my faith to this day, um, but not, like, as heavily as day-to-day as you would expect. Well, thank you for sharing, Ken. Yeah. Mia? <laughs> so, Mia, you're going to, if you share a little bit about your religious upbringing, so things that strengthen your faith questions or doubts that you maybe had had, and then uh, maybe how your faith has changed or grown? All right. There's a lot of questions. <laughs> um, so probably since I was three years old, I attended a very similar church to what Keenan was describing. It's it a very big church, like thousands of people who go there, and it was very showy, laser lights, speaking in tongues, you know, the guy would come and like lay his hand on your head and like push you over, and <laughs> all that good stuff. <laughs> but I did also attend a private Christian school for nine years, and honestly, I have like no regrets about that whatsoever. It was probably like, it was like a really like fun time of like my life and I feel like I got
got a lot from that, but was also like held back because like nobody like I realized that like nobody really questioned like anything. Like it just like seemed like everybody agreed with like everything that was being taught to them like in Bible class and whenever we would have chapel, like everybody just kinda went with it. Like nobody had any like deep questions about like, well, like is this really like real or should it be different? And I feel like if I stayed there longer, I probably would have been that one kid who like questioned everything and everybody would have been like, what are you talking about? Like stop. But I don't know, yeah, and mom and dad worked with the church that I was going to school with, and so we were all, like, going through the same thing together for a while. And then when I was 12, maybe 11, I was in sixth grade, and dad comes up to me and tells me that he wants to start a church. <laughs> and pulled me out of school, and like all this was happening, I was just like, why do you have to do this to me? I was like really sad, because it was so like spur of the moment, because I didn't know like it was happening, and just like him and like our close friends like wanted to start it together, and I was like, I was like so like set on like where I was in life, and I wanted to stay where I was at, and I like didn't want any change, like I thought it was gonna be like that forever. Yeah, and so that happened. And that was like, I was really like mad at him for a while. I was like, you're taking me away from my friends, like why? But it was good for him. It was good for me too, because probably switching schools from a private Christian school to a Minneapolis public school is like the most like the biggest like change of everything because you're put in like an environment where you're probably the only Christian like all my classmates were like atheists or probably Muslim and it was just like it just like opened my eyes I was like oh like there's like other things that people believe in and it's not like just like this whole like big thing where everybody's like an identical like and so that was interesting. It was like hard to deal with because like you was just like had a lot of questions and like I feel like I was like sheltered from like pop culture for some reason. Like mom and dad were good at like showing me movies and like listening to regular music, but like I like didn't know like what things were and everybody's like, how do you not know? I'm like <laughs> So you think that that change in school was a kind of a defining moment for you? Yeah, because I feel like I just like kind of gained like an actual like personality. Like I was kind of like the weird like stuck out kid who like I was like the bad kid. Like I got in trouble so much in my old school. It's not even funny. Like for stupid things, but it's like I like kind of got more of a personality and got to like think about who, like, I wanted to be and, like, what I wanted, like, my faith to be and, like, just, like, change, like, certain things that I believed in. And All right, well, thank you for sharing. So we, I want to move on to another question if you have time, um, So 
Why have you made Bloom your home church? Oh, what's the movement? What's that? Yeah, I'm going to get Bloom. One more question. Um, why have you made Bloom your home church? Uh, like, what, what stands out that you like about it? And um, do you have any ideas how we can strengthen our... choice for me, obviously. <laughs> I've been here every Sunday for the past, like, six years, so I didn't choose to come here. Well, I kind of did. I don't know. I don't know. It's been, it's been really nice. Like, I just, the first couple of years when Bloom started, it was, like, I was, I got to be in the phase where we were going to try to find, like, a location, and we were going, we were visiting, like, different churches like every week to see like what we wanted like bloom to be and then we had it like in people's houses at the beginning a little bit and then we had it at like one church location and then central and then here and so I feel like at the beginning I didn't know what our church was because I was working with the kids for like forever <laughs> at the beginning so I never got to like hear dad or Danny speak at all, so that was kind of rough, but then when I finally, like, did get to, like, hear them talk, like, I feel like at the beginning, like, it was good, but, like, over the years to, like, recent, it's gotten, like, a lot better with, like, just, like, adding discussion and just getting more people's input to everything, and it just, like, it just makes you think more, I guess. I shared mine, um, okay. or how we, not how we ended up here, but why we, we chose it or why I. Okay, Keenan, anything else you want to add? Uh, so, <laughs> being prompted. Um, so I'll say um, one of the things that, I, re I remember the first time that we visited, and we were greeted really warmly at the door, and it was when the church was meeting at Central, um, and that was um, right away something where I thought, like, wow, that's cool. Um, and then we were in the basement in the Black Box Theater at Central. And I remember the conversation was around, like, I think it was whether or not hell was real, like a real place. It's like a heavy subject, right? That was my first time. And, <laughs> and Jeremiah and I had been looking for, um, he had been looking for about three years. I feel like whenever I meet people who are new to the area and they tell me they're looking for a church, I say, okay, what is it that you're looking for? Because I can probably point them in the right direction because we visited so many churches trying to find one that fit for both of us. Um, but I had a, so the fact that he took questions, and at that point it was like you write your question on a, on a note card and like bring it to the front. He may or may not answer the question or have enough time to get to it. Um, but we had a conversation, like Luke came over and talked with us. And like I, I really was struggling with where he was going with the message. Um, but I liked that we could have a conversation about it. Like that I could test um, and challenge and he wasn't offended or defensive. Um, that said a lot to me because I grew up um, going to churches where the past, like you don't question the pastor. You know, um, like a very authoritative, like I was raised in a very authoritative environment even. Um, so the fact that we could have a dialogue um, meant a ton. So. That was what, um, I wouldn't say that's necessarily like 
the reason why, but that was definitely, like I was intrigued enough to continue to come back and then, you know, meeting everyone else um, was a big part of why we selected the school. Anything we can do to strengthen it? Strengthen and support that. The community here? You know, I think, so we talk about this sometimes on the elders board um, because people attend so sporadically and the interesting thing is I think the, the very nature of the church attracts people who are um, who are looking for something different, who are looking for something that isn't like um, super formal or traditional, and that lends itself to people who aren't necessarily going to show up <laughs> regularly. Um, I think I think those things are tied. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there's anything. I don't think it's a, a loop thing or a leadership thing. I think it. We as a church community, and that's people here, people who might be listening on the podcast, I think have to grow in our understanding that we, like our physical beings, are the church. And that if you don't show up, you're, and, and Luke preached about this um, maybe a, a couple months ago, and it's really, really resonating with me. I mean, I think about it even outside of church, but like when you don't bring your body to church, like what are you cutting off for some, from someone else? Like what blessing? Um, are you potentially um, limiting someone from, from having access to, like you as a person are a blessing and when we come together, that is the church. Um, but if we're not doing it regularly, um, then we cut off some of the, some of the, the power of, of, of this gathering, of this space. about what's going on, um, 
but how do I fit that through the lens of we are here to talk about Jesus? So that's something that I'm, it's not even like a critique of Bloom or a whatever that may be. It's a challenge to myself to remember ultimately what I want to bring to Bloom or what I think Bloom needs to bring to people is reminding them of the hope that we have in Jesus. Um, I guess that's something that has really been on my mind a lot. When I got out of the shower this morning, Kelly said my hair looked like Trump. I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> does anybody have any, we, we have a little bit of time for some questions, because I think we need to start worship at 11.30, right? So does anybody have any questions for these? 10 minutes to ask questions. Yeah, 10 minutes. <laughs> no, but does anybody have any questions for these guys at all? These folks up here? I love 
talking about our relationship, and I am really obnoxious and like talk over her sometimes, or don't let her tell an amazing story because I'm like, I gotta tell this story. So a lot of it was actually me learning how to shut the hell up and let her be a person. Um, but I think that, you know, and I, like, and she's not here today because she's taking care of Teddy, so if you're listening to this, uh, <laughs> but, um, so, I guess that was, I mean, that's a big factor is, you know, how, and I think more now than, than ever before, we feel more connected. Having a kid, though, and being a part of community is hard as hell. Like, it just feels really difficult because, I don't know if you agree, I don't know if that's been your experience, but I'm like, we're late every time. She's, he can't be by himself, so Michelle's always in the other room with him, and I'm an ass, and I'm not good about, like, rotating with her. So, like, there are, um, I think that has been difficult, but we still want to be here. Because we don't feel like it, we don't, we don't, I'm at the point where I don't feel like I come to want to get something, I come because I want to give something. And I think part of it, too, is I need to be, as much as I feel social, I'm actually, maybe what you don't know about me, I come off like an extrovert, but I really don't like talking to people that I don't know very well. Like, I just, I'm too, I don't really want to talk to people if I don't really know them. Um, so I think that's something that, like you were saying, people fall on the spectrum. Um, and I think that I'm at the point in my faith and at the community of Bloom where I feel like I'm going to be here because I want to contribute, not because I feel like I need to be contributed to. Probably an atypical kid um, because I was relieved when they um, shared that they were going to be divorced. You were, you know, you were relieved? Yeah, you know, the kids like just kind of fall apart a little. It's like, yes. Um, <laughs> which is, I see Lindsay's face like that. How come? I mean, how come? Um, uh, because, uh, because my father was incredibly authoritative. Um, um, and, you know, a couple other things that I, I won't get into. Um, but, yeah, it was, it felt like a, a relief. Um, I would say um, it became more, it became less of a conversation in my household because my mother was, like, working a bunch of jobs and just, like, stressed out, and then eventually she adopted my cousin. And so, like, there just was not room for those conversations. Um, and so it became more of... Um, like a social thing for me. So I was going to church for you with my friends. Um, you know, they would have activities planned and I was out of my mom's hair. You know, like that was kind of what it was. And then the second question was for Eric. You know, Kennedy, uh, since you're the pastor's kid, how does that affect your faith or was it hard to have a faith of your own or did it take a while to have a faith of your own because you were kind of forced into it sort of? Um, for me, had like a weird moment in probably 10th grade where I was like, you know, none of this like makes any sense. I was like, there's no way like this could be like a thing. Like, I don't know if like God is real or whatever. And I actually like started thinking about being pagan 
for like a couple months because like, I was like, you know what, I just need to like, yeah, just like get into the earth more and like care about like ants that die every day and like I was just like really weird. I was like, after a little while, I was like, you know, I can do that like without changing my whole thing. So I was like, you know, it's fine. But it's just, it is hard to just, because that's like all dad talks about. It's not all dad talks about, but it's like, it's his life every day. And so he does like talk about it a lot with us. And so I feel like it is hard sometimes to like think of something different. And then he's like, but like what? And I'm like, well, you know. So that that is a difficult part of it, just having like conflicting minds and just like having to be here every Sunday. Like I feel so guilty when I'm like sick or have an event to go to because I'm like I'm like the pastor's kid. Like I like have to be here. But yeah. It's it's a it's daily affects my life I think. Um, especially now that we have social media and we're also interconnected that way. I think um, what's weird now is he is a pastor of a church that I grow up in and so we will go home and it's kind of like they're like I don't want to say worship but there's an element of that um, they're very revered so like when we come home everyone's like Michelle and Keenan and Teddy and they like touch my son and I'm like I don't even know your name like we need to like cool it for a second so like there's a lot of um, like feeling very and it's more so now than when I was growing up because when I was growing up my dad actually did a really good job of standing up for us as children and saying, like, my children are going to make mistakes and they are not going to be held more accountable than your children. So, like, he was actually really, really, really good about that. I think now that I am an adult and have my own family and have different beliefs about God and different political beliefs and live in a different, just live in different worlds a little bit, I think that um, it is it is weird because I think that, um, and I was talking with, Debbie and Jan about this a little bit last week, like I feel like we're more connected through social media than we are face to face and so I feel like I grew up with a really good father and now that we are where we could be friends I feel like I don't know him at all. So it's a lot of, and that's not his fault, but it's a, to me it's the struggle of you put on, you put yourself onto the internet in a certain way that is very different from how I thought you were and it's really kind of processing that and then whenever we go visit them it's just I feel like, like there's literally people who are like, like in Great Worship and they're like, like just like watch us like the whole time. And I'm just like, I, I hate it. I hate it so much. Like, it's very, yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys sharing. I mean, I, if anybody's got another burning question, we can probably take one more. But otherwise, we, we're going to close in prayer and then we're, we, we do have music today. So, any other burning questions? And you can bump these guys afterwards Slight, too. Slightly burning. <laughs> Back burner question. Back burner. Yeah. All right, song.
about Santa, um, but daycare and the kids at school talk about Santa, and so, um, you know, and Jeremiah has, I think, strong feelings about Santa. <laughs>
if there is a disagreement, it's not going to be filled with silence. It's going to be filled with affection. I just wanted to add one more thing to that. So that, that um, sparked something, uh, going back to the point that, that I made earlier about like not having a specific point of view. I do think so much of what our kids will learn um, and, and come to understand is, is less about what we say to them and more about how we engage with other people. And so like I, even in, in thinking about how my family like what my religious experience was. My father um, played uh, the, the Congo, or the, the bongos or whatever, um, for our church choir for a number of years. And then like after he and my mother split, um, like didn't go to church at all. But I remember whenever the Jehovah's Witnesses would come to, to our neighborhood, like there were always people trying to like proselytize to our neighborhood. <laughs> um, so whenever the Jehovah's Witnesses would come to the door, instead of like turning off the lights and the music and like hiding or whatever, he would invite people in. And I just remember him, like, back home in Minneapolis, like, invite people in and have conversation. Um, and he never talked about it, but I observed it, and it's something that I value. Like, the exploration, <clears throat> excuse me, the exploration of alternative thoughts um, and beliefs, um, and, and that's something that I want Asa to, to have, like, an intellectual curiosity and openness to learn. All right, thank you for sharing, guys. Um, we, we do have music now, so we want we usually I'll say a quick prayer, um, and then we'll start you know, going to music. Uh, Lord, I just I do thank you for this morning, God, and I thank you for everyone who shared this morning. Um, and I just thank you for the different life experiences that we all have, Lord. And I just pray that um, I just pray that you would just speak to us um, through what we heard this morning, Lord. And I pray that you would speak to us through uh, worship.